welcome everyone to Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. I just want to say that this is my first episode with a guest in person. Ryan, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Alana? I'm doing good. So Ryan is one of my really good friends. Um, We met because we live in the same apartment complex. I can't believe it's almost kind of been a year since we've been friends. Little, It's been about a year, I think. Almost. Paint and sip that we met at. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's exactly where I met you. So our apartment does like these really fun events where they'll do stuff for the residents. And I remember we had like a paint and sip event and you had to RSVP for that because of like the space and the materials. Like that was kind of an expensive event. Yeah, it was nice. There's the wine, then the materials for the paint, and they also had food. Yes. The food was nice. Free food. I mean, you can never pass that up. Uh, yeah, free wine and food. I know. So yeah, we have a kick-ass building. But yeah, that's basically how we met. And so I'm really excited that Ryan is okay with coming on the podcast. So for this episode, we are talking about being gay and proud. Happy Pride Month. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any fun, exciting plans that you want to do for Pride? This year, probably just doing the parade for the most part. Yeah. And I might be looking in some volunteer opportunities oh nice uh, through bro basic rights of oregon they have a lot of opportunities to volunteer through there oh awesome that's mm-hmm. really cool yeah i mean i know pride was like pretty much canceled last year or i think maybe some events were done virtually i think there were virtual ones and the year before that it was canceled so it'll be nice because due to the pandemic there hasn't really been a march. I know. So that's going to be the fun part that I'm looking forward to is just getting out there and enjoying the parade. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, before we kind of get into our conversation today, why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Doesn't need to be like expansive, just a little bit more about who you are as a person. Uh, Let's see here. As a person, I'm a college student. I work as an addictions counselor. And... I'm not there. I'm a dad to a dog and a cat and then two fish tanks. Pretty much that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps it short and sweet. I love it. So this is one question that I ask everyone that comes on my show. But what would you say is the biggest thing that you are mostly unapologetic about? Being myself. I can be a bit blunt sometimes. Yeah. Do you want to like elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, I guess when you are blunt. Because I can totally relate to that a ton because I like to be blunt too. Or not, it's not that I like to be blunt, so it's that I also can be very blunt and don't like to sugarcoat things. It's when I'm getting a point across, I can be very blunt, especially if I put it in a nice way the first time and someone doesn't get it, then I'm just very blunt and indirect, not to be rude, just to get the point across. Yeah. No, and I feel that. Like, does it ever bother you when people just always take that bluntness the wrong way? Because it's not like you're trying to be malicious. It's just that it's like, you're just a very direct person. And there's always those people who try to like tone police you. Does Have you ever experienced any of that? Because I know I have. I remember one time it was the first, what, Black Friday? Yeah, Black Friday it was. Shopping event. I was with my friend Casey. And then somebody had said something, called us homos or something like that Ugh. to our backs. And I just go ahead and stop by, turn around like, yes, and what the F do you want? Hell Yeah. And then my friend was like, let's just go. He's like, let's just go. We don't want to start something. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Uh, so I can be blunt in that way <laughs> when 
you don't really check the emotions and it's just that reaction. Yeah, no, I feel that. So literally just today I was on LinkedIn and there was this one post where people were talking about how you need to make an ATS friend friendly resume. And as a recruiter, I use an ATS or the applicant tracking system every day. Mm-hmm. And it's a myth. And I'm always trying to debunk that myth because it's not true. Like a recruiter is always rejecting your resume. There's no special keywords or AI that's screening out your resume. So I had to correct this woman because she was not right with anything that she said. She basically claimed that I was attacking her. And then she was like, well, tell me what I said wrong. Go ahead, tell me. And I was like, okay, first off, in this point, you were wrong. You were wrong in this point. You were wrong in this point. And then she blocked me. But she like claimed that I was attacking her. I'm like, bitch, I am not attacking you. I'm simply like calling you out for spreading misinformation that can harm people. People just don't understand the difference between like, what it means to be called out versus like when you're being bullied. Like just because you're being direct with someone doesn't mean you're bullying somebody. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was my little story for today. So awesome. Well, I loved all of that. So I guess the main topic and focus of this conversation is about your, um, your sexual identity and who you are as a person. So I guess my first question for you is when was that moment that you came to terms with when you realized you were gay? Well, they're both kind of two separate answers to that. That's fine. realization was more so, it was watching a TV commercial and this really hot guy came on and it popped out. And at that time I didn't really recognize it, but I made a comment about it. And then I remember I'm saying, what did you say? I said, nothing, nothing. Do you remember what, do you remember what commercial it was? Nope, nope, I could not tell you. I just remember that moment. And that's when it first kind of dawned on me and the wheel started turning. Coming to terms with it, though, that wasn't until later on in high school. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how old you were when that commercial came on? It seems like it was before high school then. Maybe 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you came to terms with it more when you were in high school. So I guess... And learn more about what it meant exactly. Yeah. How were you dealing with that coming to terms? Like, what were you experiencing? And I guess then we can talk about more about how your own world and community responded to that. Because I want to know more about that as well. And just like all of your experiences that you had gone through or what or whatever you want to share. I'm trying to pinpoint an exact time Um, because there's a lot of it where it's just that constant two sides of who you feel you're supposed to be. And then who you are. So for a long time, it's just really uncomfortable with yourself for a lot of it. And then the frustrating part is, especially when you're trying to figure that out, is when people base things off of your mannerisms or how you dress, those type of things. And they'll go ahead and call you out saying that you're gay or whatnot. And it's something that here you know, yes, I know this, but this is who I feel I'm supposed to be. And it's more like, who the fuck are you to tell me something so you get pissed off? And for me, I would lash out with words and other things. For me, a lot of that time, it was just that it was uncomfortable Yeah, trying to figure that out. Um, And I can only speak for myself. Because when you talk about community, thing you have to realize is that, at least for myself... Yeah, your own personal community. There was no LGBT community. Everybody else was pretty much straight in my community or my environment that I grew up in so really there was no 
handbook, there was nobody to ask all of these questions that actually understood. Yeah. And I know you grew up in Nebraska, which is a very red state. And I'm sure, you know, many, many years ago, it was very, I mean, I know it's still kind of not as accepted there, but I know back then when we were growing up, because we're around the same age, homophobia was very much, very, very much alive and well, I'm sure. I mean, I never grew up in Nebraska, but I know it. it's a very conservative state where people are very narrow-minded. I can't imagine like how uncomfortable that had to have been for you. Did you ever get like a lot more positive or negative responses from your community, like people that were in your life, like your family and friends? I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that was kind of a mix of Red and blue, if you want to get into politics. So uh-huh. it was an interesting dynamic. Definitely had varied responses from some friends. Definitely had, especially in the beginning, a lot more support as far as that goes. Um, and as family goes, it was a work in progress. Um, at first, there wasn't as much support as you'd want, but there was still, definitely still felt loved. Don't get me wrong. Though sort of understanding or acceptance of the situation, I guess, or what it is. That is something that has taken time to reach to and in some ways is still developing, being worked on. Because when I was having a conversation with an individual not too long ago, they put some, they said something that kind of resonated with me. When we're thinking about unconditional love. It's something that we always want, right? Yeah. And so we figure unconditional love means that someone's always going to accept every part of us, right? And so when you think about that and you think about maybe a lifelong partner, right? There's also going to be those things that you may not like about them, right? The faults and all that. So you have to choose at that point, you know, can you accept that, right? And the same thing's kind of true when you're thinking about relationships with family as well, whether they're parents or siblings, is that eventually as we grow older, we start seeing the faults, right? So then we still have to figure out whether or not we can accept that. It doesn't mean that the love's not there, but just because something isn't accepted all the way, or completely, it doesn't mean the love's not there. And then you have to figure out for yourself as an individual, you know, one, can you provide yourself that unconditional love yourself, right? For you exactly as you are. And do you still want that person in your life type of thing, right? And that's something that as, at least for myself, and I imagine for other people that come to term with their sexuality, those are gonna be questions that are asked and then you answer them, and then life goes on, things happen, and you reevaluate that very same question. Yeah. And move on. Yeah. It's not something that is just answered once and it never changes. Yeah. And I feel like family, I feel like those are always the reactions that are the reactions that we typically aren't looking for. Like we want, because it's like those people that we grow up in, there is that unconditional love that we talk about. And at least uh, this is something that I've noticed from my friends who are part of the community. I feel like almost all of them have told me that it's mostly family in their life where they've had a hard time accepting their 
um, their child or their sibling for who they are. And it's interesting how the dynamic between friends and family is just so vastly different. And I think it's like, we choose who we want to be friends with, right? Right. We choose who we want to keep in our life for support. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what our friends are, but we can't pick and choose our family. I mean, we can always, of course, shut our family out and choose not to talk to them, but we can't change our, I guess, our genetic makeup. Even if you have a parent who you don't talk to, they're estranged. They're still your parent. They'll always be your parent, whether they disown you or not. You get what I'm saying? Like, I've just noticed it's always the family that becomes the problem. Unless if you've had friends who are really shitty about it, too. But I would hope that you're not friends with them anymore. (laughs) Do you have family that has varying degrees in their responses? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, there are many family members who vary in different responses. And it sounds like for yours, it was probably not not what you thought it was the next thing that i was i guess more curious to know about is what would you say was your most memorable moment when it came to celebrating who you were as a person in your identity it was i wouldn't say it was a celebration of it it doesn't need to be a celebration it's just more like um something that's really memorable to you it can be a celebration it could even be something negative just something that's like, I guess, rememberable. Like, there's no wrong way to answer this question. As I was saying, I wouldn't call it a celebration. Yeah. It was a uh, part, it was the first part I went to, and it was just gay people. Nobody that was straight at all. It was liberating in the sense that I didn't have my guard up. So it was freeing in that aspect. Just had friends together. We got together and we celebrated the New Year's and it was just liberating talk about whatever not to constantly think about what I'm saying and how I'm wording something yeah what was the event where you were meeting up with these people it was a friend's house got together yeah but how did you how did you make these friends like how did you meet them uh through modeling Oh, let's talk about that. Because i that's right. I remember you you did some modeling for a while because I know Ryan has some really cool pictures in his apartment. I'm curious to know, what made you want to get into modeling at first? It was just something for fun that I did. I also got paid for it too. So I was about to ask if you, if you got paid for it. No, mm-hmm. that's really awesome. And so what was the modeling agency focusing on it like was, a niche at all or was it just any kind of modeling? It was uh, modeling just for a photographer that was putting a book together. Okay. And what was the book? The book hasn't come out yet because <laughs> it's okay. individual hasn't released it yet. It's something that they plan on releasing, will have released after they pass away. So one of the models like myself or somebody else would release that work afterwards. That's just because of their own protecting their own life right now mm-hmm. having it impacted by that work oh that's interesting i didn't mm. know it had to do about a book and so i'm guessing the pictures of everyone are in the book and do mm. they represent all the individuals of the pictures or are you guys like characters of the book like representing the characters no it's an uh, individual oh okay the individuals and stuff and where the person has traveled throughout their life I love that. That's really awesome. No, that's really cool that you mm-hmm. were able to find that good community of group mm-hmm. remodeling. I mean, I think that's a great way to make friends. I mean, I always tell people 
because I've made videos where people have asked me, like, how do I make friends, especially like in a niche based community? Like for me, I'm Jewish. And for me, having Jewish friends is important. And just like how it's important for you to have friends who are part of the LGBTQI plus community. And I know like there are so many Jewish organizations. There's something called Moisha House, which I was kind of involved with in San Francisco. I still haven't made my way to do that here in Portland. I know they exist, but Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. And I am all about finding community, especially whether it's a religious background or from other anything that's a hobby or who you are as a person, whatever, whatever the case is, whatever something is a part of the community that you identify with or you want to be a part of, that is so important. I strongly believe in like having those safe spaces. Speaking of safe spaces, we all know that like pride can have, I feel like there's kind of this, I wouldn't say it's like a stigma, but I've been hearing like a lot of feedback that, you know, straight people, especially straight allies, should probably steer clear of pride events. And I think it's because like those spaces are not meant for them, right? And I definitely think that's a fair point. And this was like when I was back in San Francisco, mm-hmm. people say, don't go to the D March. I mean, you can watch it, but don't, you can't participate in it. At Mission Dolores Park, which is like this really big park in San Francisco, and it gets very crowded. It's very popular um, because it's right in between the mission, the Castro and the Castro is the gay neighborhood. Everyone celebrates there during Pride Weekend in June. And pretty much everyone who's there is a part of the community. And there will be straight allies there. But they always say like, if you're going to go, make sure you're going with somebody who is a part of the community and be respectful of the spaces. Like, if there is a space blocked off for trans people, don't invade their space. If there's um, a place for lesbians, don't be in that space. Know your ground. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that. And like, what do you think is the best advice or something that you can say how to be a good ally and what that means to you as well? To be a good ally, a lot of it is just more listening than talking sometimes. There's always an important aspect regardless of where you're at. Um, It's one of the things that I try to implement with other cultures that I don't come from, especially as a counselor as part of that culture competency and it never ends. So just like with my work as a counselor, because I want to work with the LGBT community more, I still have to learn about my community. That way there, I'm not just going from my single perspective. So listening is a big thing to be an ally for anything, I feel like. Um, for me personally, I don't have an issue with straight allies going to Pride. But yeah, if there's, you know, areas that are, you know, blocked off or maybe for a specific group, then yeah, I would suggest if you're not part of their group, then yeah, don't enter, right? Respect that boundary. Yeah. Because they're creating that space specifically. One thing that I'll say there is that if you're a straight ally and you've never been to pride parade or if you've never been period just be respectful that there's going to be some nudity probably yeah oh yeah you should see it in san francisco it's naked people galore i actually kind of i'm all for it it's going to be a different atmosphere you're not going to be used to it so if you're going to go make sure that you're not making comments of i can't believe that or oh my god i remember the first time i took my younger brother and my family came out to pride it's been a minute and my brother was like they're topless on motorcycles and me thinking that he'd be more interested he was like nope and he stopped looking you know yikes so i would just say 
be mindful that it will be a bit of a shock. Yeah. Right? So just be aware of that you're in that space. And if you're there and you get hit on by someone, take it as a compliment. I agree with that so much. Keep going. Keep going. And the reason why I say this because when I first started going to gay clubs, especially in Lincoln, you have... It was also the club where people danced at a lot too. So you'd go there and I remember hitting on a couple of dudes and they're like, uh, no, I'm straight. And they were all grossed out. And I'm like, and you're also at a gay bar and you're being grossed out that you just got to hit on. Make it make sense. (laughs) The compliment, move on. You know, there's whether you're gay, not interested or straight or not interested, there's a way to go and say, hey, I'm not interested. That can be respectful. That's what I would say. I had don't hear much about that. I just go to the event. I would just say, just be respectful. I mean, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you talking about expect to see things that could possibly shock you because I feel like there are so many things that a lot of straight people aren't aware of when they are attending pride events because mm-hmm. yeah, you make a great point. Nudity is very common. I remember when I went to the San Francisco pride parade for the first time, They had a bunch of naked people walking around. They had naked people on bikes. And I mean, it didn't bother me because I knew to expect that. And that's not just because I was living in San Francisco. I just know that it's like embracing about who you are as a person and just unapologetically being you. And if that means being naked on a motorcycle, by all means, pop off, do it. The best thing, like your pride of your identity and your sexuality and who you are And that's what I absolutely love. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. Like you're going to see people making out. You're going to see people loving each other, especially at the park in San Francisco. People were doing that. Like it's basically like a big love fest. Now people aren't having orgies there. Like that's not what's going on, but it's a place to celebrate love and diversity and inclusivity. And it's like, if that's going to make you uncomfortable, then absolutely do not attend pride. And I, Really love that she brought that up because I feel like not enough people talk about that. God, what was the other thing that you um, mentioned? I really appreciate how you brought that up because like I said, I don't think it's it's talked about enough. Oh, it was the compliment thing. Yeah, it's like I've had lesbian women hit on me before. I'm not disgusted by it. And I'm like, I, I see it as a compliment. I see it as like another girl complimenting another girl because I've had so many women like throw compliments at me. Like I've had women say like, oh, you're beautiful. Whether she was a lesbian or not, like, I don't care. Like, fuck yeah, I'll take the compliments. Like, so you agree. You think you're really pretty. Yeah, I do agree. I do think I'm really pretty. So thank you. I wish more people knew to just take that as a fucking compliment. Absolutely. And basically, just to kind of wrap this up, what would you say is the biggest piece of advice you could give to somebody? And I feel like you've said a little bit of it already, but unless there's anything else you want to touch up on it. What would you say is the biggest piece of advice you could give to somebody who is dealing with unsupportiveness, especially after they come out? I think this is advice that I gave my younger brother once before. And that's for the simple fact that, what, he's 17 now? Yeah, 17 now. Mm -hmm. And as a teenager, whether regardless of your sexuality, you're still figuring out who you are, right? So the best advice that I can give anybody is to be true to yourself, right? Is regardless of what anybody thinks, listen to yourself, whether it's your values, whether it's your sexuality, your beliefs, right? Those are yours, right? It is something that no one else can take away from you 
or decide for you. You're going to get a lot of input about what it should all be. Sexuality is, in my opinion, not something that you choose. Right. <laughs> Personally, it's because as I was coming out, I remember saying, if I had the choice to choose between feeling that everybody loved me, absolutely, I would choose that there instead of going through this here and be like, are they going to still love me after they find this part about me? Because your sexuality is not everything about you. It's yeah. a very big part. And I guess it is expressed. Who you are as an individual is expressed. So the sexuality and having the right to love who you choose, that's definitely very much expressed there. Also, at the same time, it's a small part of who we are as individuals. It is. Right? So being true to yourself. I know it sounds cliche. No, but it's true though. But it is very true. It's being true to yourself, to who you are. And when you can honestly do that, then yeah, sometimes you may come off as an unapologetic bitch and that is okay. Hell yeah. (laughs) And that's exactly what my podcast is all about. If you have to be this unapologetic bitch, that is what we're here for. That's why I have all these guests come on because it's a safe place for us to be unapologetic bitches together and for all the other unapologetic bitches listening out there who can resonate with all of that stuff. Do you think there's anything that could be helpful for people to overcome? I know like being unapologetically you is so important, but is there anything else more of like other actionable things that people can do, like navigate the hate and the negativity? I know like cutting off has been something that's been really helpful for you. It's reaching out. So if you have the ability to look up LGBT resources in your area, reach out to those areas. A lot of times these days, if you're able to in a bigger school setting, there's school counselors that you can talk to if need be that can assist you with resources. If you are in a smaller community, a lot of the times it is going to be using the internet, using Facebook, finding those safe spaces, especially if you don't feel that you have people you can connect to or there's not a lot of resources there. And that can be unfortunate because in some of the small rural areas, there's not a lot of support and you might feel more cut off and isolated. Also too, what I suggest too, depending on your history, whether or not there's trauma, I always suggest people do counseling Mm -hmm. and work through it. Therapy is so important. No, I love that. And I appreciate you coming onto the show and like being open and vulnerable. I know it's not an easy thing to do. And I just want to say thank you for being here, Ryan. You are so well loved. And I'm so thankful that I have met you. And I've had such a great friend here in Portland, especially one that I have easy access to because you (laughs) only live a few floors below me. (laughs) So it's the best. I mean, I know you told me you recently deleted a lot of your social medias, but if you have any like websites or social medias that you're involved in, is there any place where people can find you? I've deleted them all right now. They're all deleted. (laughs) I know you told me that, but I didn't know if there was anything that was left. There's a couple things that are left, but I'm still going to be deleting them. So at this point, it's pointless because I am taking a social media hiatus. And when I do come back from that, I do want to create content. 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 (laughs) uh, Regarding mental health issues and concerns. I love that. Well, 
I can tell you what, you let me know what that is. And then I can always re um, update it into the bio of this podcast description. So people can check out your mental health content. I'm guessing, would you be doing it on Instagram or another platform? I will figure that out when I'm ready for it. Fair I enough. Something I'm interested in doing. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. And guys, if you ever have an unapologetic experience that you want to share on the podcast that I could anonymously read in the beginning of episodes, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.